Hello and welcome to another episode of The Curriculum, a podcast from Cornerstones Education. We do our best to provide advice, insight and information for primary school leaders and teachers, all in the time it takes to get to work or grab a quick cuppa. Good afternoon and welcome to another edition of The Curriculum, a podcast by Cornerstones Education. I'm your host, Melanie Moore, and today I'm joined by Amy McCaw and Caroline Pudner, primary teachers and Cornerstones consultants. Good afternoon to you both. Good Good afternoon. afternoon. Today we are talking about the importance of vocabulary and language. And I think it would be really nice if we could just start by um, both of you introducing yourselves and explaining what your interest is in language and vocabulary. So should we start with you first, Amy? I'm Amy McCaw. I was a primary teacher for 10 years, um, a lot of which time I spent in year five. So I think a lot of my interest from vocabulary comes from the idea of being a reader, being a writer, and how you can challenge children to use interesting vocabulary in their writing and glean it from their reading as well. And I'm Caroline Pudner, and uh, like Amy, I've been a primary teacher for nearly 10 years. Uh, I've worked in, well, all age groups, really, from nursery up to year six. And personally, I've got a really strong interest in English and drama. Thanks both for that brief um, introduction. Today, as I said, we are talking about vocabulary and the importance of, of language. And we decided to talk about that today because... There has been a sort of a recent presence of talk about vocabulary and language, um, particularly I've seen that across social media and in the edu press. Um, And we know, I mean, research does say that good levels of vocabulary are essential for children's language development. With that all in mind, what are the, what in your opinion, are the challenges facing schools in terms of developing children's vocabulary? Well, I think from the very start, when children come into school in nursery reception, Uh, From my experience, you know, I noticed quite a lot of children, depending on the schools that you're teaching at, a lot of children struggle to find the words to express themselves um, or even just key vocabulary to get through normal everyday activities. Um, And, you know, the research shows that this is in decline, that school starters are coming in with, you know, a lower level of vocabulary, which is worrying. And have you got any thoughts on why that is, Caroline? Well, I think it's complicated, actually. There's lots of different reasons. I mean, a lot of people would say, well, maybe it's because children aren't interacting as much um, anymore in a kind of playful, imaginative way. Maybe at home there's, you know, not enough opportunities for children to talk and discuss things. You know, a lot of the children I taught just literally indicated objects that they wanted. Mm. So it's kind of expectation outside of school and maybe in the previous settings that they've been in as well. So with all that in mind, where should a school start or how does a school start, if that is the starting point, to, you know, make children more language vocabulary aware uh, and to set them on that path where they become, you know, independent, articulate, confident Mm. speakers, talkers? It's very, very important right from the beginning. Obviously, the curriculum and the early years goals stipulate very clearly where vocabulary can come into the curriculum right from, you know, birth. Uh, and beyond Mm. but you know for sort of nursery and reception teachers there are specific goals so it's it's all about understanding instructions allowing and teaching children how to express themselves is very key at that level but also beginning to pick up new vocabulary for subjects like maths you know so 
when you look at the early goals, it does say in there, it gives schools guidance about what to assess maybe as your baseline. Um, and then there are, of course, lots of different ways that we can talk about later about how schools can use displays and resources and teachers themselves to encourage vocabulary. Okay, so we'll come to sort of some of the techniques and, and the methods for improving. So we know that there's quite often an issue as children come into school in nursery and reception. What are sort of some of the, the challenges further up school, perhaps in Key Stage 2, Amy? Pick on your yeah, experience. What, what would be sort of the key challenges facing Key Stage 2 teachers? I think, as Caroline said, there are a lot of factors that can affect children at that age. Sometimes self-consciousness can start to creep yeah, in from Year sure. 3. So there are children who might not want to speak in front of the class, whereas they maybe have more confidence when they were younger. And then also, you've got the amount of content that comes into the Key Stage 2 curriculum. Mm. There are word lists for Year 3 and 4 and 5 and 6. There are common exception words at Key Stage 1. And there's this really high expectation that by the end of the year, the children will know all of the spelling choices that they're supposed to know. And they're supposed to know these word banks as well. And I think that's a really high expectation. Yeah. And I mean, my personal view is that there's not enough time or space in the curriculum for talk. And I think sometimes teachers can feel pressured to perhaps focus on the spelling of a word rather than the the use of the word, um, using the word in an imaginative or creative context. I mean, what's your thoughts on sort of having the time to talk in the curriculum? I think there's a huge place for talk in the curriculum from the very start all the way through to year six. There's a definite balance because the expectations, as I said, are so high for spelling. Mm. But then there's the other side of that, the, the, the frameworks that the children have to meet by the end of Key Stage 1 and 2 um, do now say that children can have one area that they're a little bit weaker so and still meet their age-related expectations. So I think that that can give teachers some reassurance that a child who is massively creative, who's got a fantastic vocabulary their spelling can be a slightly weaker point and they can still hit their age rate expectations. Okay, I think it would be quite a brave teacher that would sort of absorb that. I think teachers still feel an enormous pressure, don't they, for children to be age-related expectations yeah, and it every, is a huge pressure. everything. Yeah. yeah, and in the Year 5 and 6 guidance, it does say that children who are behind, um, they do need something to be put in place to bring them in line in terms of their decoding of reading, but also the spelling skills. But I think it's not you allowing that to put children off and to feel that spelling mm. is the only important part of their writing and that it's that's just one part of the picture. I mean, I've seen that and used that as well in lessons where you expressively say to the children, look, today is all about writing and using the vocabulary. Don't get hung up on the spellings at this mm. stage. And if you're a good English teacher, you can build in the checking, the proofreading later on. You can build in separate spelling lessons where you pick out and target words that are commonly misspelled. Really, it's not to stifle that creativity. You know, a broad, rich vocabulary is mentioned a lot of times in the curriculum. I was going to ask you about that, actually. I mean, in terms of what's actually set out in the national curriculum, mm. what's, you know, the emphasis placed on vocabulary? Where is it? It's absolutely everywhere in the right. curriculum. Um, I, I've had a look at this yeah. to check um, in terms of this podcast, and it's mentioned 95 times in the curriculum, the word <laughs> mm, vocabulary, which mm. I think is huge. And when you look, it comes into reading in terms of from the very beginning of year one, looking at word meanings with children. And also, um, as you get into key stage two, they're doing all kinds of things like figurative language and um, looking at shades of meaning. And that's as early as year three. So I think that there is a huge emphasis on vocabulary in terms of spelling, but also so mm. the getting the rich and varied language that we want children to use. 
Okay, so let's just go back to something we touched on earlier, which is teaching techniques, um, methods that teachers might have in their armory to help children develop a rich vocabulary. I mean, if we if we start by thinking about maybe the early years in Key Stage One, Caroline, what are some of the you know particular techniques that you found work really well with with young children? Um, similar to older children, really, it's about I think being selective and uh, you know for teachers not to worry about having to introduce tons of new vocab it's look at your children look at what they what their level is pick pre-plan a coherent sort of strategy if you like of words that you're going to teach the children you're going to display them obviously if you've got your phonics in place you're introducing new words that way and how to decode but that's only part of it this is about what I'm talking about is giving children a wealth of vocabulary I mean the key one here is texts that the, a wide range of lovely you know rich text yes yeah rich stories and and to not be I think we said this in the in the blog that comes alongside this podcast which is to not shy away from books that are just slightly above the level of your children because this is a great way of introducing uh, new vocabulary to them I think um, especially at Key Stage 2 there's definitely a place for exposing children to really challenging texts sort of historical accounts so you could look at actual letters written by Anne Boleyn, um, actual diary entries of Anne Frank and I think it teaches children if you're showing them these challenging texts they're actually doing it for real purpose so they can get the vocabulary and also learn through other curriculum areas as well. And I think going back to early years obviously mm. a lot of good practitioners out there know this already but it's using rhymes Mm. I used to do the silly soup where you'd physically put words in and it's fostering early on a love of language and and silliness and you know all the things that engage children and I I often used to find as well particularly nursery and reception it's not accepting the point it's actually making encouraging the children to have a conversation with you about what they want, what they need, um, and to have that expectation of that two-way communication Mm. rather than doing things for children or jumping in before they've quite finished. Yeah. So what about at at Key Stage 2, some of the techniques that worked for you, Amy? I think, as we've mentioned, exposing children to those texts is really important. And also, I just found that thinking really carefully about the vocabulary using in all areas of the curriculum Mm. because there's this expectation that children will have rich and varied language but also they need to know the names of word classes so they need to know the correct terminology for things in English and it stems to maths in terms of no mathematical vocabulary science using the correct terminology so I think it's being mindful of that when you're planning and actually planning those opportunities to get vocabulary into your teaching. I think you've just touched on the other key thing is modelling, remembering that teachers and all the adults who work alongside children are modelling constantly, modelling what you're saying to the children or an earshot of the children, what you write is is crucial because the children are like sponges really, they imitate, they pick up on language, good or bad, Mm. but it's to always remember that and that sometimes is the best technique for teaching new words. what What about making words fun and what about making words engaging? Have you got any particular tips around maybe games or, you know, techniques that you've used in terms of making, having fun with words? I think for me, a lot of the time I use role play in Key Stage 1 and Key Stage 2 because part of the writing process i found if children get to explore vocabulary aloud and can have a conversation, have a dialogue, maybe get into a character, they then can include that 
into their writing and that always seems to get them excited about learning but also give them that real purpose to use the vocabulary definitely and I think things like myths are great for that because Mm. the the mythical language is so different from how a child would talk in the playground and Harry Potter and all these other you know quite sort of epic uh, Mm. texts or or genres are great for exploring ambitious language yeah I was was gonna um, ask a little bit about classic texts what you felt about about those really and and the language that they can bring children I think there's definitely a place for traditional classic text and more modern classic text as well in terms of developing children's language and I I hope the teachers won't get too worried about using them because they are classics and the language might be more difficult because sometimes something like Treasure Island that's got universal themes and storylines that appeal to children can actually get them to think a lot about the time period. They can pick up appropriate vocabulary that they'll be able to use in their talk and also in their writing as well. Yeah, and, you know, I'm, I'm sure there are lots of teachers who have used Shakespeare. I mean, you don't have to use the whole play, but you could just look at, say, the um, the witches, the cauldron scene mm. or or anything, really. Don't, don't be, you know, you don't need to shy away from it, but give children time to explore it. And they love it. In my experience, children really mm. love the, the opportunity. I think that the beauty about, obviously, that language is it's very lyrical. It is obviously poetic, but it, it's got a, a beauty to the words as well, hasn't it? Which I th- I do think, in my experience, is quite well appreciated by children. And the difference in the language, I think, is often of great interest to them, yeah. how language has evolved. I think that iambic um, pentameter is really irresistible and lyrical when you, when you hear a teacher reading it for the first time and they're getting into the rhythm of the lines. That It's funny that you mentioned mm. that, my best scene, because I remember a lesson where I did that with the year four class and some teachers might have thought that it was too difficult, but actually the whole point of the, the exercise was to realise that there's a vocabulary that we didn't know. And the children thought it was brilliant mm. that there was a word for entrails that I'd never heard mm. of before in the text. And I think that, like you said, that exploring, Caroline, is really important. And also to acknowledge that we don't know every word and that sometimes you've got to try a word out and be brave about that in your writing mm. and in your spoken language as well. Yeah, and, you know, there's, there's also, don't forget that interest that children can have in the origins of words and that does feature in the curriculum etymology I mean in my experience children are fascinated by where words come from especially unusual words and and of course there's things like onomatopoeia and you know using genre like poetry rap songs these are all other ways in which our language can be taught to children and children can be exposed to new words and then kind of own them if you like you know they've got strong rhythm they can play around with word combinations so again it goes back to that thing of having fun with words and using ambitious vocabulary in terms of resources for developing children's vocabulary, I mean, we've talked a lot about modelling. Modelling doesn't particularly need any sort of resource if the model is you. Um, what about other things that perhaps children can use more independently? As we've mentioned, I think that using model text is a really good resource and a resource that you can reuse. So you can use a model text when children are reading to pick out vocabulary. So you can look at the word meanings, figurative language, and also as a model for writing. And I think that linking on from that, um, I know as a company, we provide glossaries, word maps and display words. And all of that is just exposing children to rich, varied and topic specific vocabulary all the time. We've also got, you know, good audio recordings as well. And within that, you can you can introduce lots of good language and interesting vocabulary. And I think, you know, thinking about the different types of learners you've got. So um, you could use word dice for synonyms, highlighter pens. You've got 
whiteboards, make it fun, make it 3D. Um, but then you've got off-the-shelf resources like crosswords. There's lots of online generators for things like that. I used to do this um, daft game, but it seemed to work where we passed a timer, a ticking timer around a little group of children. And all of us had a topic to talk about or we all had to say, you know, a, a, a wow word or an adverb. And when the timer went off, you know, that person lost. But it seemed so silly and simple. But, the, you know, the children really liked that because it didn't feel like writing, you know, writing the words down. And what about your relationship with word walls? Where, where do we stand <laughs> on word walls? Because I have a somewhat love-hate relationship with <clears> them. <throat> I've seen them used very well and I've seen them used very badly. So what, what's your view on that? I still go into school and uh, I'm, I think back to my classroom and I could have spent hours on a word wall, made it beautiful. I was really into it, being colourful and, and bright. But, you know, as we all know, it depends if the children actually see it. And of course, whether they use it. So I would say, I don't know about you, Amy, but I'd say keep them fairly simple, short, interactive and changeable um, and, and really focus on a set number of words each for a a limited period of time you know I've seen some um, lovely creative versions of it which I'll just share with you one of which was you know you can get this sort of brick effect wallpaper mm. rolls of brick effect wallpaper mm. where a teacher had a couple of uh, rolls of that on the wall and the children were allowed to graffiti yeah. onto the word wall using you know exciting coloured and glittered and fluorescent pens and th- yeah. they could add to that quite freely and, and I saw that working brilliantly the other way I've seen it done very well is um, just by using post-its. So you, you know, there's, there's some kind mm. of sticky fabric that you can get that you put up on your wall, staple that up, and then use post-its um, where children are adding words to you know, a project wall or a topic wall as a, as a project progresses, yeah. and children become more competent and more articulate with the language that they're using. Just to give them that little bit of independence mm. to write a word on a, a sticky note and put it on the wall Definitely. for others to use is, is lovely. And I think me and Amy were talking about this earlier, is that transfer that from the wall into their plans so with older children you know if they're writing a story actually put on their plan a keyword what keywords are you going to use in the introduction in the build-up and draw those words from that word wall I think it is really important to make it purposeful and meaningful and make the children feel like they've got ownership so it's something that they can add to it's something that they can take from Another strategy that I've used to keep the profile high was we created a dictionary from the children's words. So when a word had been written on the word wall, we also transferred it to the class dictionary. We wrote a definition and that seemed to keep the profile a bit high and keep the momentum Mm. of word collecting going. Actually, you just mentioned dictionaries. And of course, we haven't really touched on that yet. But, um, you know, I've I've literally been there where children in year six have been looking up a word and they don't know how to use a dictionary efficiently. So, um, mm. you know, it's it's not assuming that children know how to use the Sorai and dictionaries and glossaries uh, and to not just teach that in key stage one and then leave it. It's very important. I know you can look online at definitions, but there's also, we talked about that shades of meaning where, you know, you can use a thesaurus and put a word in to your work, which really isn't suitable. And that's a huge issue I think we have is children and you know gladly are looking at different words but one example I had was um a child who wrote um, a mini idea came into his mind you know he'd looked at for a synonym for a small idea or a tiny idea you know so it's teaching them how to use these resources properly as well Thank you both. That's been a really good insight into some of the issues and challenges um, around the topic of vocabulary. Just to sort of round up, have you got any sort of final tips or advice to our listeners? 
I think just to remember that it can take at least 12 exposures to a word for a child to fully understand it. Uh, for people with dyslexia, obviously, it's more. And just to bear that in mind, so regular repetition of words. I think for me, it's about remembering that vocabulary comes in all the way through the curriculum. So it's up to teachers, up to us to make sure that we give children those opportunities. We expose them to rich and varied vocabulary all the time. And just to remember to have fun with it and to play with it, explore and to realise that it isn't necessary to get the right word at first. Sometimes it takes time to get to the right mm. word and then it's really, really powerful and a really good feeling. Mm. And we've um, got some free resources to give away with this podcast, which I know will be available to download from our website. So, Caroline, do you just want to um, give a quick overview of what's available to download? Yeah, so we've got some seasons words for EYFS, so some nice, you know, key topic words for you and with some blank uh, options as well. And we've got a template for synonym dice for key stage one, so words like said, nice, bad and synonyms that the children can actually roll, which are quite good fun. Um, and then for the uh, more you know the older children we've got shades of meaning word cards so they're a little bit like paint color cards and again they show the sort of varying degrees of difficulty and uh, ambitiousness that's not that's a, a word, good word. <laughs> it's a good word and if it isn't it should be it should be it yeah. is now um but you get the meaning um and they're there for you to download so hopefully you'll find those really useful and fun for your children to use and all those resources are available on our website. Have a look at uh, our blog that we've written on there. And we've also got a book review of a wonderful book called The Word Collector, which is a fantastic read. We've written a little book review on that um, and there is a chance to win it for your school. So do take a look. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you. And that's it for this episode of The Curriculum. You can subscribe to the podcast in Apple Podcasts on your iPhone or iPad. Or if you have an Android device, you can try something like Pocket Casts. It means you get the episodes going straight to your phone or tablet, and you can discover a whole world of other podcasts out there. Um, if you've enjoyed the show, please tell someone about it. Just uh, send them a quick email or give them a nudge in person. Um, if you want to know more about Cornerstones, the curriculum as in the Cornerstones curriculum, and um, other products, you can go to cornerstoneseducation.co.uk and you can learn more about this show, including how to subscribe at cornerstoneseducation.co.uk slash podcast. And we'd love to hear your feedback and any ideas you might have for the show. Just get in touch by emailing podcasts at cornerstoneseducation.co.uk or drop us a line on Twitter, where we are cornerstones.edu. That's it. Speak to you next time.